Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, let me say happy Mother's Day to all you moms and uh, to all you ladies. We appreciate the role you play in the church. Moms, you've had, I know, a very specific, challenging role. So thank you so much for being faithful in that. Well, we're in our Hard Topics series again, and uh, the one we're going to look at today doesn't start off too hard, but it gets harder, okay? And the title of it is Men and Women. Equal? Question mark? Are men and women equal? Now, years ago, when I was growing up, ancient history, this might have been a bigger question than it might be today. Uh, but still, it's a question people have, and God has something to say about it. And when we think about this, men and women... The story goes sort of like this, if if I can remember it right here. God created everything, right? He created all the, the earth, the plants, the birds, the fish, all the animals, and then he created man. And then he stepped back and he looked and he said, I can do better than that. I'm joking, okay? It's not really what the word says, okay? Um... But anyway, God does have something to say about this, and it's very important that we understand it. And as we look at the world, as we look at our relationships that we have and understanding uh, men and women and what God says about it is very important for us. So first let me say this, that only biblical Christianity provides a foundation for the equality of the sexes. In other words, if we want to go and talk, well, there is no God and everything happened by random chance, right? Everything happened accidentally. Well, that becomes about who's strongest, doesn't it? That, and that's the whole idea, right? The strongest survive and the weak don't. And, and if, uh, if men are strong, enough, there is no right and wrong. And so men could enslave the women, right? And there are cultures where that happens. But only Christianity, as we're going to see, provides this foundation to say that men and women are equally valuable, equally important. So let's let's jump right into the word. Let's go to Genesis. Because the first thing we're going to see is let me say it right up front. Number one, men and women are definitely equal. Okay, men and women are definitely equal. Go to Genesis chapter one. Using the Bible that's under the chair, and we encourage you to use a Bible. Uh, You're going to find that on page number two, what we're going to be looking at. We are on day six of creation. And we get down to verse 26. And it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. By the way, so we have a reference here, sort of a loose reference to what we believe was the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all present. They say, Let us make man in our image image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the work. And let me say here, when he says there, let us make man in our image, he's talking about mankind. He's talking about human beings. That's what that word means there. Let's make human beings and let's make them in our image. Okay. And then verse 7, so God created man, created humans in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So he made human beings to be male and female, uh, both together creating the image of God and both separately in the image of God. Verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So let's just think through this here just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> who's made in the image of God? I'm actually asking, who's made in the image of God? Every human being. That means men are made in the image of God and women are made in the image of God. And I have this sense that when God said, I'm going to make them male and female, besides some of the very practical reasons he did that, that there are aspects of the image of God that are only captured in a man. And aspects of the image of God that are only really clearly captured in the woman. And we'll see how God has made us that way in a little bit. But so... Uh, now, next quiz question. Who did God give the assignment of managing the earth for him? It's not a trick question. Who? Both of them. The man and the woman. They both have that responsibility. So God is very much treating them as equals here. And they are not just being treated as equals. They are, in fact, equals in God's sight and what his plans and purposes are for them all. And this is true uh, in Christianity. We see this, that when it comes to standing before God, men and women are absolutely equal. When someone comes to Jesus Christ and receives Christ as Savior, uh, it doesn't matter whether they are a man or woman. In fact, in Galatians chapter, what is it? Galatians what? Oh, that's the wrong reference. I apologize for that. It's Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, okay? There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And he isn't saying they don't exist, right? What he's saying, when it comes to your standing before God as a believer in Jesus Christ, we all stand there equal. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you are a slave or free. It doesn't matter if you are a man or a woman. We are equal before God. Okay, so very clear, clearly, uh, men and women are definitely equal. And that brings us to the second thought here that we see in Genesis here. Uh, men and women are definitely different. Like in very different. Anybody notice that? Okay. And I think we'll see that this difference extends beyond just uh, the physical capacity and the reproduction. Uh, Different a lot of ways. By the way, I just it's, it's interesting as I'm studying this this week and all this different stuff that I didn't include in the sermon for your blessing. And uh, but I realized, you know, I'm thinking men and women are different. And I'm thinking, yeah, women are different. Now, why do I think that? Because I'm a man, exactly. Okay, I can't help it. If any of that comes out today, I can't help it. Okay. <laughs> But no, women are different than men, and men are different than women, okay? And very different. In fact, as I look this up, you know, they used to think, uh, scientists, that the difference between men and women, you have your X chromosome and Y chromosome, and there's a bunch of genes on the X chromosomes and not so many on the Y, but it makes this male-female distinction, affects the hormones, the testosterone production, and... Uh, 
They used to think that it was pretty much limited to those things that are just evident, you know, what's the difference between male and female. But they have since discovered, in the last few years, I think this study is done in 2017. Let's just read what the results are. So they measure the RNA, you know, that's part of the DNA, right? The RNA produced by 18,670 genes in our body. They found that about one-third of these genes, more than 6,500, had very different activities in men and women. Some genes were active in men only or women only. Many genes were far more active in one sex or the other. And it continues. Go ahead. A few of these genes showed sex bias activity in every tissue of the body. More commonly, the difference was seen in one or a few tissues. But some of this genetic stuff, this physical differences, shows up in every cell of the body. So we are what? Different. That's right. We are definitely different. Now, um, how do we, I mean, so we're, we, the Bible says that we are spiritual beings, okay? We are a spirit. We have a soul. That's still part of the immaterial part of us. That's, you know, our mind and our will and our emotions and those kind of things. Our spirit is where we can connect directly with God and, and influence our, uh, God can influence us from the inside out. And then we have our bodies, Okay, that are physical, right? Our brain is physical. It's a physical organ. So how do we know what's going on in the world around us? Through what? Okay, I see Tim Morway right now. Okay, I look at Tim. I see Tim. What's going on is the light is reflecting off of his bald head and mine. <laughs> and it's coming right, and it's, it's hitting the sensors in the back of my eyeball. And it's, and, but what it's doing is it's transmitting info to the brain, that info to the brain, and the brain interprets it. Well, guess what? I have a man's brain, right? I'm not apologizing for that. Okay, I have a male brain. And so is that going to affect how I perceive things? Is it going to affect how I might feel about things in my initial It is, okay? And same thing for a woman. You know, she's seeing differently. Uh, and neither's wrong. It's just a different perspective by whose design. By God's design, that's right. And so we are very different. We are different by God's design. And when God designs something, he has a purpose for it. He always has a purpose for it. And um, now, so we're different by God's design. Let's go ahead and go to the next point there, Silas. See, God has assigned some different roles then and responsibilities to men and women because we're different, and he's assigned us different roles and responsibilities to go with that. Now, this is all pretty easy so far, isn't it? Why, is, why does it become a problem then in life? Because of what? Somebody knows the answer. Sin, that's right. Over here in chapter 3, we discover, right, Adam and Eve, they disobey God. Eve is deceived and Adam isn't. And he sits there and watches and lets Eve, you know, doesn't say, hey, Eve, what are we doing? Let's don't do that. They're full participants, both of them, in choosing to sin against God. Um, and it created all. Anybody this morning when you got up out of bed, you went, oh, oh. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, oh. That's because sin entered the world, okay? 
All of the terrible things that we see in the world is because sin entered the world. We die because sin entered the world. Well, it, it, sin affected everything because the moment we're conceived, we're conceived with this nature that is selfish, self-centered, and, and that we're going to need to be set free from by Jesus. But it's in there and it affects how we think, affects how we look at life, how we respond to things. Sin becomes this problem. And life, by our very nature, is about us, isn't it? Oh, no, wait a minute. It's about me. You guys are add-ons. Now, I'm saying that's if my sin nature was just uncurbed, right? Doing its own thing. And you'd be the same. Okay? And so, guess what else sin has affected? The relationships between men and women and the roles that they, God has given them to fulfill. Let's look in Genesis chapter 3. And there's no reference on the screen for this, Silas, okay? Genesis chapter 3. It's just probably over another page in your Bible there. We're not going to read all the temptation and the sin. We've already said that. But God then tells Adam and Eve and Satan what things are going to be like. What it's going to be like. And I just want to focus in on one particular. He goes to verse 16. And he says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. I've observed that. I've only observed that. But then here's the deal. He says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, let me be really clear, you guys. Now, are you, are you, don't, it's a little warm in here. Maybe listen, are you guys, everybody listening? This is not God telling us how things are supposed to be. He's saying, these are the kinds of things you're going to struggle with because you sinned, because sin came into the world. It affected our relationships. Okay, And so he said, this is the kind of struggle you're going to have. Wives, women, you're, you're going to have this desire for your husband. You're going to want him to be these things. Uh, and, and, you know, you look up to him and want all these things. And rather than him lovingly trying you know, filling those roles for he's going to rule over you. And in what sense? Well, men typically tend to rule over their wives by one of two ways. Either they become loud and domineering, okay, to push them back. Or they become passive and just ignore. Either way, that's an attempt to keep her under control. And she doesn't need to be kept under control, said by the Holy Spirit. But you see what I'm trying to say here? This, so the, the relationship between men and women, particularly husbands and wives, has been... There's just problems because of sin. Are you guys following me on that? Okay, and we experience this in our marriage relationships, and uh, it's always a work in progress to recover from that and not to live that way, okay? All right, so different by God's design, and sin has messed it up. By the way, this is the reason that the gospel is so important. And there's many reasons why the gospel is so important. One reason is because we've all sinned, right? We, we started with that sinful nature was about us and we got old enough and we knew, well, that's not really right, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or I should do that, but I'm not going to or whatever. We have all of that stuff. We've all sinned against the Holy God. We have a nature that is, is in opposition to God. And we can believe he exists and we can say nice things about him. But deep down inside, there's a, a gulf that we cannot cross. And that's why Jesus came, right? The Son of God, 
became a man named Jesus, and he lived that perfect and sinless life and died on the cross. And as he died on the cross, the Bible tells us that God the Father took all the guilt for my sins, which are many, 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 and he placed it on Christ as he died there. And he died paying the penalty for my sin, not just for mine, for yours, every one of you. And for the sins of the whole world, everyone who has ever lived or ever will live. Jesus died paying the penalty for that, rose again from the dead. And his offer to us is if we will just be honest with him about ourselves, yeah, I am sinful. There's a problem. I got, it. I got this problem, this sin problem. Be honest with God about that. Uh, believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that he indeed is the Son of God who came and did what the Bible says he did for us then we can, by faith, say, okay, God, I believe it, and I receive Jesus as my Savior. I, I'm, I'm receiving him and his payment for my sins so that I never have to pay for those sins in eternity. Because, the, and I didn't say it, but the, the really hard part about this is if we die separated from God, we are separated from ever. And the Bible calls that place hell, place of torment. We don't want to be there. But instead, we can choose to receive Jesus as our Savior. And not so not only are sins forgiven, okay, so every sin forgiven, but we also receive eternal life. So when this life ends, we go on living with God, okay, in heaven. And the biggest thing, and this is really matters here today, is that he moves in. God comes in and unites himself with our spirit and begins helping us change from the inside out, so that we don't have to be ruled by this stuff. These consequences of sin, yeah, we're going to have to deal with them, but we don't have to be ruled by them. We can work in this relationship as husband and wife and make progress. And it can be good. In fact, it can be very good. Okay? Uh, these are the things we have to work through and learn. So, God has assigned some different roles and responsibilities to men. Some of these are mutual, mutual roles and responsibilities. In other words, we all have the responsibility to honor God, right? Doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, you have a responsibility to honor God, to do the things that he says. You have a responsibility to pray. You have a responsibility to serve the Lord with your life and, and with the abilities and gifts and opportunities he's given you. Uh, you have a responsibility to love your neighbor as yourself and love God before. Male, female, doesn't matter. There's mutual responsibilities that we have. By the way, so really, believe it or not, men and women, husbands, we're in it together. Okay? Sometimes we can forget that, but we are in this together, and we need each other. But then he also assigns some specific roles and responsibilities to men. Some to men, some to women. And these are where I think, too, that our culture gets hung up with Christianity, those who don't know the Lord, and they want to say that Christianity doesn't treat men and women equally, which is not correct, we'll see. But that, um, and this is where sometimes husbands and wives struggle, okay? Even, even uh, just men and women can struggle in these things because of the different roles that God has given us. All right, so let's, let's turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We are, we're going to be in the Bible a bunch today. Lots of times I put more on the screen, but today we're going to be in it a bunch. So Ephesians, chapter 5. Well-known chapter to probably to many of us. It's, it's a chapter, and we kind of forget the first half. The second half talks about marriage. 
It talks about the specific responsibilities that God has given. He's given different roles and responsibilities to men and women in marriage. Now, let me say, in marriage between men and women, there are many mutual roles. We, we, both husband and wife have a responsibility to honor the Lord in their marriage. Okay? Both men and women have a responsibility to serve their spouse humbly and lovingly in marriage. Uh, both should be involved in what's God got us doing as a couple and as a family. I mean, it's, there's mutual responsibilities. But then there are some specific things that God says that are different for the husband and for the wife. So let's start in verse 21 of chapter 5. And it is really crucial we start here. Now, how many of you have uh, in your Bible, it shows a break and it has a subtitle after verse 21? How many? Look at your Bible. Okay. That's not in the original writings. They do that to try to help us, you know, know what's being talked about. But really, verse 21 precedes verse 22 and the rest of this chapter. Very, very important. Okay? So let's look. Verse 21 says, submitting, this is to all Christians, submitting to one another in the fear of God. In other words, because of our relationship with God, we submit to one another. Well, what does submit mean? Um, as Christians, we're supposed to submit to you. What does it mean? Well, the word literally means to align yourself under. And here's the picture. So we have, we're all equal here today in, in sight of God and our value and many of our responsibilities, right? We're equals. And yet God tells me, and he tells you, but he tells me, submit yourself to these folks in the fear of God because I want to do what God wants me to do. And so I voluntarily come underneath you and support you. I mean, I, I try to be helpful to you. Our Christian word is we try to edify one another, right? We try to build each other up. But that means when I come underneath, the idea is I'm not just thinking about myself, I'm thinking about you. What do you need? How can I encourage you? How can I be of help to you? This, uh, is you following here? That's what that word means, to align yourself under. And as Christians, we are to do that. Okay, so we have two Christians in marriage, hopefully. And, and, and what are they to do for each other? What's it say? Thank you. Submitting to one another. And this is what, so the, the husband has to submit to the wife in the fear of God and say, what is he preaching up there? No, that's, isn't that what it says? Are you, if you have two Christians in marriage, is the husband supposed to submit himself, put himself under his wife to support her and help her and encourage her? Now, the wife's a Christian, what did God tell her? Submit yourself for his well-being and to be supportive of him. All right, so this is the way we're to live this. Then the question becomes, how? How do we do that? Because men and women are different. We've already seen that, Right? And so God gives some specific ways. He's, it's like this. He says, Walt, if you really want to encourage your wife, in fact, he doesn't really say that. He says, Walt, I want you to encourage your wife. You're supposed to encourage your wife, okay? So you need to submit yourself under her and be supportive of her and be held to her. Well, how do I do that, Lord? Well, because I'm a man, there's certain things, okay? And then same thing to the wife. Well, how do I do that? And that's what he tells us in these next verses. So let's, let's look. And by the way, we are dealing with this idea of marriage, because not because I'm preaching on marriage today. All that comes here, we're trying to talk about is men and women are actually equal, different but equal, different roles. And it's the couple of passages of Scripture we're going to look at are where the challenge comes from 
that Christianity gets accused of not valuing men and women equally. That's why we're in this passage, okay? Um, all right. He starts off. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, hang on. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Okay? And so God has said this, submit. Uh, Let me just read the whole passage, okay? And then we'll come back and talk. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Remember, we're saying, how do I do this up there? This is how you do it, husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And then he talks about the symbolism here of husband and wife and Christ and the church. But then he gives us a summary in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so let's, let's just uh, look at the, this, what we see here. A wife submits to her husband by genuinely respecting him and submitting to him in his God-designed role as head. That's what it's telling us there, okay? And so this is where, you know, head, what do you mean? <laughs> Who put him in charge? Well, God did, but in a very limited perspective. Let me tell you, let's look and see. When he says that the man is the head, does that mean the man gets to decide which chair he wants to sit in in the living room? Some of you aren't sure about that one, right? (laughs) I am most likely to, but because he's the man, he doesn't get to choose and have what he wants. He doesn't get to demand what he wants to eat all the time. He doesn't, it just isn't about that. Let's look here in Ephesians and see, what is it about? Let's look at it again, starting verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Let me back up, verse 23. For the husband is head of the wife, okay? In what manners? Husbands, love love your wives, verse 25, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Wow. How did I get ahead? I'm talking about wives here. All right, let me go out. I'm getting ahead of myself here, okay? I've got so much in my head here today and in my heart. Let's look at the next one there, uh, Silas. Husband is commanded to submit to his wife. Wait, did you see, did you read that anywhere? Yes, we did, where? Verse 21. A husband is commanded to submit to his wife by loving and leading her in a self-sacrificial way that nourishes and cherishes her. That is what he's supposed to be doing, okay? So we have these two. And so let me go back now, what I was trying to tell you. 
So the husband is the head in, in, in this respect. He's the head in that he is to love his wife more than he loves himself. He's to lead when it comes to loving. Okay. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. This is what Christ did, and this is what the husbands did. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. In other words, he's going to do things that are going to help her to love the Lord and to help her to live her life for the Lord. He's the head in that. He has a responsibility to help her, to submit to her, to help her to do that. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. It's a symbol of Christ, applying to the husband, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And so just as God is at work in us, helping us to become everything he created us to be, so the husband comes along and he lovingly submits himself to his wife to help her become everything that God wants her to be. That's his responsibility. Now, he can't make her be that, right? But he's there to help her and to encourage her and to point her and lead her there by example. Verse 29, again, for no one ever hates something, but nourishes and cherishes it. And so the husband comes under, willingly submits himself. And when we're saying submitting yourself, we're talking about is maybe giving up what you want, giving up what you feel like. Not just making decisions on your own, but including your wife in the decision. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it's so easy for me to know what I'm saying and not say it clearly, and then somebody goes out of here with the wrong idea. So I really want to try to make sure we're clear about that. But then the wife does the same thing. She submits herself under her husband and lovingly helps him to do what God has given him to do. And, and you know, the, the greatest way, the simplest, most straightforward way that a wife can help her husband to be a loving husband who, who works to help her become everything God wants her to be and is supportive and nourished, the best way she can do that is to genuinely respect him. That's how she submits to him. Now, I want you to know, ladies, verse, the first three verses there, God wrote those to who? 20, 22, 23, and 24. Who, who did he write those to? First word tells us, guys, verse 22. What? Wives, he told you that. Men, he did not tell you that. He did not tell you that your role is to make your wife be respectful. He wasn't talking to you. You letting that sink in? God didn't tell to a man, you have to make your wife be what she's supposed to be. No, you're not making her do anything. You can't make her do anything. I mean, physically, you might be able to force her to do something. That would be really bad. Okay, wives, do you ever struggle with your husband not being all that you think he ought to be? You're probably right. But did, who was God talking to? When he tells, he says what? Husbands. He's not talking to you ladies. It's not your job to try to make your husband be what you think he ought to be. Or make him do what you ought to, you know, I, if I don't keep saying it, he'll never get it. I know you feel that way. Sometimes. No. What we are to focus on in this is what has God told me to do? 
And I find in my marriage, there's been times when I feel like, yeah, you know, my life, uh, I really made out on the deal when I got married, okay? I really did. But there's still times in our lives where I would feel like I would want Glenda, Glenda, you know, if you could respect me like this or do something. And, and if I start to get focused on that, two things going on. One is first, I have no ability to, to control that. Out of my control. Secondly, I start getting pretty self-focused and a little bent out of shape. But I found is when I focus on what's my responsibility and loving her the way God says I'm supposed to love her, that life becomes joyful. Not that it's perfect, but you understand what I'm saying? Because I can do that. That is within my control. Me and God working together, I can love her the way God wants her to be loved. That's pretty cool. All right, so, but here's the point. God did establish this authority structure here, didn't he, in some sense. This is what you have authority. And he says, husbands, you are the head. That means you need to be protecting and, and leading, and specifically all these things that I just told you. You're the head. when it, You're responsible for those things, okay? And so then, well, wait a minute. If the wife is under authority, how can she be equal? How can she possibly be equal? Well, let's, let's think through this. Number one, being under authority doesn't undermine equality. It just doesn't. We don't have to look any farther than God to discover this. How many gods are there? How many gods do we believe in and serve? How many? One. He exists, the Bible reveals as what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I know that's a little bit challenging for us to get a full grasp of, but he exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, when the Son of God became a man, what did he do? He submitted himself to his Father's authority, and I would say probably before that in eternity past even. But he submitted himself, willing to submit himself to his Father's authority. He said, I only do those things that my Father tells me to do. I do what he shows me to do. I'm under his authority. Well, are you telling me the Son of God is not equally God? No, he's what? He's still equally God, even when he's under authority. Okay, so being under authority does not lessen someone's equality. In fact, we believe in that in this country, don't we? That just because, does the president, theoretically, is he under the same laws that you and I are? Is he of more value than you or I are? I mean, you know, we, we, we don't believe that. Okay. All right. So second thing, in his perfect wisdom, God brought a man and a woman together in marriage. Go ahead and go to that, Silas. He brought a man and woman together in marriage and he made them one. Silas, there we go. Thank you. You read it again. In his perfect wisdom, God brought a man and woman together in marriage, made them one. Remember we saw that in Genesis? He actually, I don't think we ended up reading all that. I'm sorry. And then assigned roles for them to fill. And this does nothing to undermine equality. It doesn't. God's treating them equal. Let me give you another example. Let's assume that you started a company. And it's not real big, but you've got a dozen employees, and they are just the greatest employees. They, they're in it with you. They believe in the same things you do. They work like you do. And you've got a project that you need to be done, and you need to assign it to somebody to lead it. And you look at it and you say, any of these 12 could lead this? Okay, uh, Bill, I want you to lead this. Has he now changed their equal status? No, they have different roles, responsibilities, but they're equal. They're equal. 
Okay, number three, the husband's authority is not absolute, but is limited to his role and by other biblical teachings. And I, I already kind of explained that. Now, let me say this very clearly. Sinful human beings have used the teachings of Ephesians and First Peter and some other things to justify abuse. Abusive use of their role, abusive use of their strength. And I just want to say to you, there is zero tolerance in the Bible for a man or for a woman who would abuse their spouse or any other human being. Right? That's never acceptable. It's because of our makeup, it's more often the man who's doing the abusing. But it's not 100% that way. And it's just unacceptable. Can you hear me say that? It is unacceptable. If you find yourself in a situation where you're being abused, get help. Okay? That cannot be allowed to continue. All right? Say that strong enough? All right. Now, but this idea, the husband's authority is not absolute, but it's limited to his role and by other biblical teachings. Okay, you know what? For time's sake, I'm going to skip that next slide And let's go to the one that says, in a biblical view of marriage. Yes, so skip that next one and go to the next one, Silas. In a biblical view of marriage, a man and woman are joined together as what? Equal partners with different roles and responsibilities. Now, we are like out of time. Um, So I was going to talk to you today as well, talk to you about the role in the church, uh, the different roles and responsibilities God has given us. in First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 2, God says that, I'm going to just paraphrase for you here, okay? He says that the woman is not supposed to be the pastor or the elder, the, the authority, the, the authoritative teacher in the church. And, um, and what's interesting, though, and he, actually, there he says, keep silence. I say, What? Well, he means in that role. There's particular things going on in Ephesus, I think, that are part of that. Uh, but with respect to being a pastor or teacher, he says that it's supposed to be a man. Uh, and yet we know for a fact, uh, several places in the scripture tell us that women preached, uses the word prophesied, but that's basically preaching. Women preached and taught and prayed out loud in the church. And I would say to you that my understanding of Scripture is that a woman can be and do anything in the church, just like the man, except where God said no. And that's when it comes to becoming being a pastor or an elder in the church. All right? And what I want to say to you is that does not make... He goes on and gives qualifications for that. He says if a man wants to be a pastor, he gives qualifications. Why? Because he's saying if you aren't qualified this way, you can't be a pastor. Men, I don't care you're a man, you can't be a pastor, you're not qualified. Woman, you can't be a pastor because you're not qualified, because you're not a man. Now, uh, find the, the slide there, would you? I think it's on there, uh, Silas. Why does, why does God do this? Can you find that with the Isaiah passage? Yeah, why doesn't God allow women to become pastors? I don't know. It's one of those things in the word that we trust. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, he says, nor are my ways your ways. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, I mean, I, I could speculate, but you know what I try not to do? Preach my speculations. I try to preach the word to you, okay? And so this is what he said. And so it's not a matter of equality. It's just a matter of a different roles and responsibilities. So let's just review. Men and women are definitely equal Scripture is absolutely clear on that. Yeah, go ahead, Silas there. Secondly, men and women are definitely different by God's design. And third, God has assigned some different roles and responsibilities to men and women. And we would do well to embrace these things. Embrace them. Try to figure out what is the heart of God on these things. And, you know, God, help me to live this out the way that you want me to live. Help me to be the kind of man in the whole world that you want me to be. Help me be the kind of woman that you want me to be. And then in our marriages and, and live with this mindset. In, in Psalm chapter 18, David said, as for God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. He did not say, as for God, his ways are easy. But guess what? Jesus says, if you'll take my yoke upon you, you will find that it is easy. But you have to surrender to the Lord. Genuinely submit in your heart to him to experience that. The blessings of how God made things to be. So men and women equals, and what's the answer? Are men and women equals? Yes. Okay, thank you. Good. Father, thank you for your word on this matter. And Lord, we know that the, the culture that doesn't know you, people don't know you or don't understand your word, come at us in this area. I pray that you'd help us to be gracious tellers of the truth there. And Lord, I pray that you would protect us and your people from misapplying uh, the authority instructions in Scripture where that authority would be abused. God, please have mercy on us that it would not happen. And if anyone here today is caught up in such situation, I pray, Lord, they'd immediately ask for help. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's take a quick look and see if we have any questions here today. We've got a lot. I just don't know if anybody took to put them in words here. Oh, somebody asked that question. Good. What about Christian women pastors? They sort of answered that, right? So here's the thing. If, 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 if some, another church has women pastors, I mean, I, I don't believe that's the way to go, but I'm not against them. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm going to respect them, treat them with love. They answer to God for what goes on in their church, right? Not me. So I'm going to love them and and uh, be positive toward them. Yeah, uh, so this question's here about First Timothy chapter 2, and, and I need to go over that at some point, okay? And uh, just let me... Aha! I like this one. As far as requirements and roles in a marriage, where does romance fit? For example, if a wife is always planning dates and outings but would like her husband to make an effort, but he feels as though he's not good at it, so he doesn't try, leaving the wife to feel discouraged, what biblical advice would you give to him? Is he asking? (laughs) 
Hi. So I really do believe that, that the, the idea is that, you know, when we come, the Bible says we become one and we're joined together. And we really ought to work on those things. And, and so, like when I talked earlier about me expressing to Glenda, you know, I kind of, I wish, you know, things were a little different or other things. That's not wrong. I mean, I have to really guard my heart when I get there because it starts to become about me really quickly. But the idea is there needs to be able to be an open interchange. She needs to be able to say to me, Man, I'm not feeling loved here. I, I really wish that you would take the lead in that. And, and we have those kinds of things where I've struggled, she's struggled, but we keep coming together and, and this is about God and what he wants to do. And if, and if he wants to know the answer to this question, I'll be glad to talk to him. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, and I think, I would just say, yes, I think if she's asking for something that really matters to him, he is to do what? If he can, he may not be able to, but if he can, he's to do what? Submit himself, come underneath her and love her in a way that makes her feel nourished and cherished. All right. If you have any other questions, I'd be glad to talk to you. Uh, it can be tricky, but just know that God has our best in mind. His ways are always best. The way I think his ways are aren't always best, but the way his ways really are is always best. So pursue those things and embrace them. All right. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day again, moms. And we'll start our classes. Hope you can stay for one of them. Uh, Yeah, we'll start in about 20 minutes. Thank you.